Hello and welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters podcast. It's been a while um, since our last one. We've had both party conferences. Um, what, what else has happened? It, quite a lot. It's been a long time. Um, and yesterday was the new budget. For some people, it's been, you know, the beginning of a new age, post-COVID. Um, a wartime budget, people have called it. Huge amounts of spending. Um, a, a few tax reductions, not really a huge amount. Um, what was your guys' immediate, immediate thoughts? I think for a lot of people, they're kind of middling, sitting on the fence a little bit. The same for you guys? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I, I'd probably simmer. Um, nothing really grabbed my like attention to uh, that made me really excited. But like, I, I think the I think the big one probably for us was the international uh, foreign aid stuff going back up to 0.7%. So that was. Um, that was good to see it. I liked that. Uh, the, the national living wage going up. I think that was probably one of the, the, the standouts as well. Um, there is a lot of spending for sure, um, which, yeah, uh, I'm not entirely sure where that spending's then come from. But yeah, uh, in, in overall, I would say if I ranked it out of 10, I'd say like a solid kind of maybe five or a six. I, I, I don't know. That was yeah, I, think, I think a lot of people are in that kind of range. Um, yeah, it, it seems like got... nobody's been hugely excited. Nobody's been like hugely disappointed. And that seems like it's been the case on both sides of the aisle, um, which, I don't know, unifying. Um, I don't know if that's what you want from a conservative budget three years in when you got a 10% lead in the polls. But um, Phoebe? Yeah, I was going to say, you've obviously got the shake up to the alcohol duty system. That's quite fun. That's a fun little thing that everyone was talking about yesterday in the office. Um, obviously, you've got the ending of the, the freezing of public sector pay and the increase of national minimum wage which someone mentioned um i think obviously we've got the whole leveling up agenda um and that's a key pillar key focus within within the wide, the wider scheme isn't it um i i i i kind of enjoyed the housing and planning reforms that the agenda there um, i really enjoyed that but i think yeah you're right Sonal. The, the seizing of opportunities of brexit and uh you know advancing global britain don't know about you guys but you know holding off to 2024 again to increase the aid budget um, not entirely pleasing, but I guess a promise for more later on. It feels like quite a lot of this budget, to me at least, is just a promise that we'll do it later. Um, yeah. So, yeah. you know, uh, that's a very, very good example. And then in the new chart of budget responsibility, that again seemed to be like a, don't worry, we'll do it later. And then towards the end of the speech, probably about two thirds, three quarters of the way through, the attempt to placate, placate the um, classical liberals in the Conservative Party with a oh, but later I want to have low tax and low spending. Well, why then are you doing the exact opposite now? Is the question a lot of people have asked. And the answer, of course, is look, we're in the middle of a situation which economically and socially is entirely different from what any government at any point would have expected to be in. But is it just an attempt to placate people or are these serious promises that we're going to essentially see a right an about turn in, ter in terms of conservative, poli conservative party policy in the next couple of years? Do you think that's realistic or are people just going to hold their breath until the next election? I think I'd, I'd hope that it's realistic. I think obviously we've made a lot of promises. There's a lot of, okay, it'll happen. You know, there's a, especially with the leveling up agenda, as I say, um, and building back better, all of these great slogans, but we actually have to start to deliver now. 
Um, we actually, you know, all of the the red wall, talk, you know, the the red wall that we won over, and you know, the the votes that we got, the seats that we won. Um, looking at the budget in detail of you know the billions that are set out, you know, not just to devolve nations, but each constituency is promising, um, and and that's great. But I think definitely before the next general, we actually have to start seeing some physical results. Phoebe, what would you rate out of ten? Because someone gave it that solid five or six. What about you? I, I, whenever we do these ratings, I'm always more than you guys. I really am. <laughs> I would, I would give it a six and a half. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I, it does seem yeah. like everybody is kind of, kind of just okay with it. The even something like the the raise in the I can't remember where it was, minimum wage or national living wage. Mm. That was expected anyway. This, that's fairly standard. There's been it's been rising for a while. That's just what you do. It, you know, it's, it's not even in inflation is higher than that. It's it's mm. nothing major. Um, something like the 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 end of the freeze in public sector pay. The people on the left generally seem to think that everybody in the public sector should be getting a pay rise. Um, yeah. I might be mischaracterizing mm. a lot of them, but that that seems to be mostly the loudest voices coming out and then you've got people on the right going well why is just everybody getting more money for being in an organization longer shouldn't it shouldn't public sector pay be tied to performance would that not be fairer would that not make more sense so the government have kind of just sat in the middle not done a huge amount and not successfully probably not annoyed anyone um, do you think that was the thinking or is there something else there hey i i, I think that the the thing I actually, the one thing I really liked from this budget, this was probably my favorite uh, takeaway, um, was the grants to uh, it's like internationally mobile companies um, to invest in UK infrastructure. I think that was probably my one of my favorite things that they did. I, I did like that, and I did also like the the network team where they're trying to essentially attract like high school workers. Um, in San Francisco and somewhere else in the US and somewhere in India. So I, I, I thought they could have done more on that and on both those, um, maybe the starting points, but I think they could have done more there. Um, that, that was something that I thought was quite innovative, something quite new, something quite uh, good. And even the, the tax release for R&D, um, for like cloud computing data and all that sort of stuff. Again, that was good. And if, I would like to have seen a bit more. I mean, I mean, maybe this is just a start. Maybe it's the first time we're doing some of these things. So maybe the next one will see more clear policy. Um, but that, that they were probably my kind of key highlights that I saw. Um, but yeah, the, the public pay one, I, I would say the same as you know, like it just seems like everyone thinks that they should all get a pay rise. Like I, I just think some of that money could be spend it a lot better um some people i think genuinely do in the public sector deserve more money i think teachers in general i think i think most people probably agree they probably should get paid more um but some i think some of the spending in the public sector is also very wasteful so um yeah I, i'm not too sure what the sort of labor reaction has been to this budget i've not seen a lot of uh well constructive or good criticism which you kind of want in a healthy democracy i maybe i'm wrong but i've not seen personally anything from me anything that strong from sikir Steimer or anyone from labor i think it's hard um for labor at the moment because what well, was rachel reeves doing the response and with all the love in the world to rachel reeves she wasn't very good at it 
Um, she, she was on TV like three days before talking about how we needed to essentially uproot huge amounts of industries and go greener and all these industries needed to change to be green they need to be innovative and all the, these very very true things and then 30 seconds later was essentially talking about penalizing investment and at that point you go well there's something not coherent in your thought that you're coming out with that so the second that she stood up to uh, you know do her spiel after after rishi sunak's bit i i think most people are just turned off because uh, mm. what comes out of her mouth is barely ideologically coherent let alone financially yeah, I agree. I don't. I actually, yeah, I watched her response and, and read her response, and I don't. I don't really think it was a very robust rebuttal <laughs> to the budget. And I also think, especially with COP twenty six coming up, which we'll have a podcast episode on shortly, that there is so much that we're doing in terms of you know uh, greener, cleaner energy, building back better, our sustainability initiatives. There's there's a lot of money going into this. You know, building back the grid. Uh, you know, offshore wind farms, nuclear power. We're we're going green and net zero by 2050. It is it is a policy target, and it's everything that we're actually working towards. So it, it's difficult for Labour to really come back on these things when we're as a party are championing it and actually putting policy and bills in place that would allow us to become net zero. I think it's it's unsurprising that uh, during conference. Um... There was rumours that there was, you know, it was a two or three Labour MPs that were looking to move across the aisle, and everyone at the time was like, "Oh, well, that's really shocking. That's that doesn't happen very often." Um, but then you see the kind of budget, and it's distinctly less shocking because I think we forget sometimes how much the political landscape has changed in the past few years. We get the rhetoric from the media that the right are so far right and the left are so far left, but I think we forget that the leadership of both these parties really aren't that far apart. There is a world where Keir Starmer is on the left of the Tory party. And there is a world where the Boris Johnson we're seeing now is that not that far off of the right of the Labour Party. They took different stances on Brexit. And I think it's confused a lot of the public and a lot of the media into thinking these parties are so far apart. But there was so much commentary yesterday about people looking at the Labour front bench and them not really having very much to complain about. Because that's a budget which, very realistically, you could have seen them coming out with in government. So you start to see all these pieces fall into place where there is lots of people who could very easily move to the other side of this aisle because they're not that far apart. Do you, th do you think that's a fair enough take? Or is this just something that we've seen because of COVID and that's going to go away soon? Yeah, well said. I think I think that's a really good analysis and that's something I completely agree with. I think the budget would be different, obviously, if we didn't have COVID. That's, that's an obvious statement to make. Um, I think we would be trying uh, you know pushing the line a little bit harder if we didn't have to be realistic and we are the party of individual responsibility so rishi, rishi coming back saying we have to reward hard work and people working you know the, the 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 kind of theory is still there but obviously the amount that had to be borrowed the amount that had to be paid out to to avoid you know absolute catastrophe from you know economic and social from from the pandemic you know actions had to be taken but i think this is a really good compromise I kind of the, the yeah I, I again definitely agree you know in terms of the the this could have easily been in a, a labor budget I can't remember which budget it was it might be two or three budgets ago from Rishi Sunak where he actually had three of the exact same policies that Ed Miliband had proposed 
And I think it actually, I don't know if it's a tactic, because if it is a tactic, it's a really smart tactic, because like, what can you say back if you're Labour? Because you are, you're, you're literally doing some of the things that they have like championed and campaign on. So it's like, what can you argue back to? So I don't, if it's a tactic, it's a, it's a really smart one. It happened to the um, SNP actually, right afterwards in their interview, uh, an S- I don't, I have no idea who she was, um, but somebody from the SNP was being interviewed by the BBC um, and was criticising the change in uh, flight duty um and the bbc interviewer turned around went no this was was this not your exact policy two years ago (laughs) and she went uh yeah but it's cop next week so it's bad um and she essentially got laughed off and you're right if if that's an intentional you just drop the occasional thing in there so they can't really criticize that much that's a smart way of winning elections but is it a smart way of maintaining your vote in terms yeah. of the, your base that may not be too happy. Because take something like um, alcohol duty. So in the announcement afterwards, Rishi Sunak was talking about when those taxes first came in. And it was talking about how how essentially ridiculous it was when it first started. It was used to fund one singular war and ended up just sticking around. And I was sitting there going, well, if you're talking about how ridiculous it was when it was first conceptualized, why is it still here at all? Is it the government's role to then be essentially policing the the drinking habits of the state and the individuals within the state? Is that the government's role? And lots and lots of people who are of the more you know classical liberal mind obviously don't believe that. And that, that's a strong, strong segment within the Tory party. Those are the same people generally that push for Brexit and they manage to win the party over eventually. So will that faction just over time become more and more frustrated that that kind of thing is still around because that's not brexit related that's that's inherently part of this government strategy because they're doing it on smoking as well this is just something they do now i think the i'm really keen i know like uh, i'm really keen for a non kind of covid budget i know it's god knows when that's actually going to happen because then we can actually see some clear ideology like from uh rishi sunak and and generally our government right now, because it is hard. Like, I, I don't like, I, part of me wants to be uh, quite critical in terms of there's some uh, on the basic ideology and some of the things that I believe in this lot of stuff that they've done, I kind of don't really agree with, but then it's hard, like you know, the justification of COVID almost wartime kind of uh, era, if you like, uh, it, that does kind of work on me and uh, that does, uh, I totally understand, but at the same time, um I, i'm keen to see some more like so some of the things they've talked about in terms of the things that they want to do in, in future years i would have liked to have seen some figures or something that says you know we're going to do this as long as we hit this and this and this that would have been a bit more clearer in terms of what the kind of ideology or what kind of route we're going down um but I, i'm correct in thinking so the, the alcohol the the, the, the change is that beer is cheaper right and spirits is more expensive yeah, so they're they're tying essentially the level of taxation to the strength of the alcohol. So yeah, yeah. so I think so, so mostly the, the wheat beers. Will, will beer actually go down? Will, will that go, actually go down in price? Like, Probably not know. on the consumer level because oh, the maybe. minimum wage is going up. So this, okay. to be honest, it's probably going to stay the exact same. Maybe go up slightly because the raise in the minimum wage is probably going to outweigh the change. If I was to guess. So, um, so duty on beer, cider, and spirits will be frozen for an additional year. This is expected to save the consumers three billion pounds over the next five years. I'd be very, very surprised if we saw any change, apart from Weatherspoons, who have already announced that they're having ninety-nine p beers. But I'd be very surprised if 
if we see a reduction in alcohol price at you know our end at all because they're going to have to pay all their staff more so there's there's going to be a balance there always is balance so they're not just going to take that on themselves that's going to get past consumers it always does so as fantastic as it is that minimum wage is going up it's going to you know out undo at a consumer end so many of these changes what did you guys think of uh the six billion to the NHS for tackling backlogs. I don't know if you if you guys saw that in the budget. That was one of my more contentious things. That I wasn't actually one things I um, I'd say I disagreed with that I did not like. I think if throwing six billion at the NHS to tackle backlogs was going to work, we would have done that before. Yeah, agreed. It's not six billion. It's eight billion. Oh, eight billion. <laughs> Wow. That will be the difference. Is that two billion is the, is the crux? Yeah. Take away my rating of six. I'm sticking with five. Phoebe, are you, are you with us on that one or is there? Yeah, I might drop a point, a point five and go down to six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, like, I think the NHS is, has some quite fundamental problems in terms of its structure and throwing money, throwing money at it. If that was going to be the solution, that would we would have done that a long time ago. We we slip into this. Oh, that's bad. We're just going to throw cash. And if throwing cash at anything worked, we would have zero problems. Um, and the issue is that it's a catch-up program, which yeah. is fairly unconvincing. Yeah. Well, they're going to use that money to do what? Hire more staff because that money is going to run out really quickly. And then what are you going to do? I yeah, I don't know. It's the kind of thing where the government of I think. And, and, and it's not necessarily just that government, but uh, advisors has gone, well, look, we can see there's this big issue in the media. This is something people care about, something we need to fix. We need a really quick fix now because the budget is next week and it's going to look really bad if we've not got anything in it. What we're going to do? Oh, okay, we'll just throw some money at it and hope someone else can work out how to fix it. Um, yeah, I, the NHS is a bigger problem than the extra six billion on backlogs, I think. I think start by... like forcing GPs to actually see patients. I mean, that would have been my, uh, well, I suppose it's not a budget thing, but I think that that's, a that's, a yeah, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. Um, another issue. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you one that I, another one I liked, okay, the, the, the 50% business rates discount for mm. hospitality, retail, leisure. That one I definitely yeah. was supportive of. And I, I think it's actually, I bet that's like industries that are really suffering still right now. And I'm hoping actually that coupled with the uh, the living wage going up will be a boost for hospitality. Because I, I know hospitality, one of the biggest problems they've had is actually recruiting staff. Mm. They have a massive, massive um, shortage in staff. So I'm hoping the combination of these two things can kind of help to solve that. Um, so I'm, I was happy to see that. Yeah. Is Well, is there anything else that stands out to you, Phoebe, um, in terms of stuff that is fundamentally going to change this country or is even mildly interesting? Something for the housing crisis, as so many young people that maybe listen to this podcast who are trying to get on the housing ladder and are struggling because we are living in a housing crisis. Um, the the investing of a mere 1.8 billion to bring 1500 hectares of brownfield land into use so we don't like building on, on greenfield that's we don't want to build on aomb that's fine agricultural bills going through uh parliament at the moment which had a suggestion of increasing uh, ancient woodland to 50 meters um which would really have a, a big old hit on people trying to build 
houses if the ancient woodland has a big buffer. Um, so actually, I think it's good to see Rishi kind of triumph and acknowledge the housing crisis and actually put some considerable money towards housing and planning. I think that's good for people at home who are trying to get on the housing ladder. Is that, a, so with with that policy, do you think that'll actually, what sort of difference can that make? Would you see that actually making a, a significant <laughs> difference or? I don't know. I, I don't know, it's hard to tell. It's, like because The, the housing market is its own economy, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's tricky to, you know, we have all these numbers, and again, this is another podcast, but we have all these numbers, um, you know, of housing provision that Boris and Rishi are setting out that we need to build each year, um, which is great, but it's all stuck at a local authority level. And there's only so much that that saying with these budgets, but if, if, if you know, the final say is, is held at local government, it's a different story, isn't it? So the one last thing that I'd kind of like to like to jump on is 120 million for um, the future nuclear enabling fund. So uh, nuclear obviously needs to be a massive part of the conversation. I don't want to delve too much into our COP podcast, which will be coming. We're going to wait um, just for everyone listening until we actually see how COP pans out because I think there's a lot of trepidation, but I I won't go too much into that. But nuclear does need to be at the heart of that environmental transformation, I think. Um, and it's good to see the government starting to pay a bit more attention to that because there's a lot of concern, I think, that we're going to see a massive drop-off in our nuclear output in the next decade at the exact time that it needs to be soaring. Um, and that can give an opening to less-than-friendly states, maybe, um, coming in and trying to get trying to get their foot in the door. Um, mm. But also having to be a major part of hitting net zero ever. Um, and, you know, 120 million, not a massive amount. Um, no. but at least it's an acknowledgement that we need to do something. Um, but j- yeah, just to wrap up, really, I know that we've not covered a huge amount of international relations, um, which, considering that we're a IR-focused podcast, isn't fantastic. But that says a lot about this budget. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's not exactly what we'd like to see, I don't think. But I think, Phoebe, it was you, you said beforehand that you need to get your own house in order before you start trying to clean up everyone else's. Um, yeah. And we do acknowledge that that's the reality we're in um, and that the government have promised in the long term to return to that 0.7% foreign aid budget is nice to see because I think it's a long-term indication that, look, we are going to be global Britain. We're not going to be insular. This is just a little blip and it's a little blip that is a pretty big blip. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're going in the right direction. Um, nothing major. Um, we may see more major stuff maybe in the spring. Um, hopefully we're bit way down the recovery then but it's hard when we don't know what this winter is going to be like to really put anything substantive because everything could be up in the air again in a couple months and i really hope it isn't but it's probably worth acknowledging that it will be any last comments from you guys before we try and wrap up no i think yeah the 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 international like i think there were some good things on there for um not necessarily completely related to us but i think the you know Giving 1.4 billion to like internationally mobile companies to invest in UK infrastructure, I think that's good. The talent network, which I talked about earlier, I think that's a good starting point. I suppose um, I think the the investment fund, uh, the Global Britain Investment Fund, being set up from the 1.4 billion. Um, I know it's mainly like sort of life sciences, but I think there is some there are some things there um, that I looked at and I, and I liked on the on the sort of business side of things because I think. An important part of global Britain, also as much as it's about sort of attracting foreign investment 
to this country. I think a lot of it is should be about how we make UK British companies more international and how you know one of the big criticisms or one of the big issues that you can talk to sort of medium and small um, sized companies is they really struggle to tap into the international market and it's often it's not that hard and it's not always a funding issue for them so I'm kind of happy with some of these things that have been set up to um, I think try and help those businesses um, we'll see how well they do and how much attention uh, the government uh, pays it but I think uh, them acknowledging it and putting aside some money towards it, I think is, is a good start. So I think that that's something that I probably one of my more favorite parts of the budget, definitely. I would I would like to see how COP goes. Um, and actually within the next year, all of these promises for, you know, greener sustainable, you know, sustainable outreach and, and all these programs that we're bringing forward, uh, you know, obviously it's not all gonna be fixed in a year. It's not, <laughs> probably not all gonna be fixed, you know, in 40 years but i would i would quite like to see things actually on the ground happening fantastic thank you very very much guys as has been mentioned we will be back for cop um and that should hopefully be quite a quite an interesting one so do tune into that thank you very very much